on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Hello, this is Trevor Brookin, and you're listening to the West Ham Way here on Phoenix FM. everyone and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and Kevin Slade from Sex, Drugs and Colton Cole alongside serial ITK blogger XWH employee. Tabletoppers Liverpool came to Stratford on Monday which saw a spirited performance from the Amers but was it one point gained or two points dropped? Why are we more successful against the top teams? With that in mind how will it go against Palace? X will be giving us exclusive news and views before ending the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. Good evening to everyone listening live or retrospectively via the download. I hope you're all well. X, tell us how you feel about the performance and the result on Monday, mate. I thought it was a really, really good performance. Really good. I was absolutely buzzing from that game. Um, I thought every single player played well. You know, you couldn't single out anyone that needed to raise their game. I thought it was a really, really good day. And I mean, you know, we didn't even win the game, but I was absolutely buzzing. And, you know, it would have been really, really interesting to see what would have happened if Liverpool hadn't have scored an offside goal we probably would have gone on to win so yeah really really good performance but as you said in your intro why is it that we can't do this consistently but yeah take that game alone brilliant brilliant performance it's so annoying isn't it when you look at some of the big clubs that we've either beaten or given a really good game to Mm. I find it incredible that you know now we used to look at games like Liverpool and think I don't really fancy that and in this day and age you tend to think more well actually we could get something from that game and I tend to fear games like Burnley away now more than I I would do Liverpool at home it's really strange really strange Um, it's hard to start the show really without talking about the linesman I mean I I just find that absolutely incredible how did he miss it how did he miss that it was because if you actually watch the replay back, he was almost looking at the player rather than along the line. So he was looking at Lalana with the ball rather than where... Uh, was it Milner? Where Milner was. So he wasn't looking along the line. And he just did... I think he almost like got caught up in the wow moment of it being a good bit of skill and just didn't seem to actually remember that he's meant to be looking for offside and it it was just a terrible decision because you know it was a at least a yard on it's right near where I sat and I could see it was offside you know if you watch the West Ham video where Noble I think it's at half time I doubt he's seen a replay and he says to the ref it's at least a yard offside and it's right in front of the linesman and and it is just really really frustrating I mean this is this is potentially cost us three points because it looked like we were going to keep a clean sheet against them um, had it not been for that no, I thought it was incredible I mean he, you say you know the line I was not watching the line I mean that's incredible how can a line not be watching the line he's got no better than that this is Premier League level I mean you'd have the hunt with that if that was Sunday League wouldn't you exactly. I mean it's, that's the job he's there to do and with respect to the officials the referee from an officiating perspective has got the most difficult job on the pitch the, the linesmen are there just to stick their flag up if one player's in front of the other and maybe wave their flag if they see an elbow to the face or something I mean it's like me being a professional chef 
and turning up to work and saying, I can't make an eggs benedict. You know, what, what, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this job if I can't do it? And I thought it was ridiculous. And, and it was a kick in the nuts because I thought that we were playing well. Um, from my perspective, and we'll come to you in a sec, Kev, I thought a, a, a real reassurance, if you like, was Pellegrini playing free in midfield. I think that was really important, especially on the back of the Wolves game, because I think we was missing that. And yeah. the free midfield, I, I think, held it together quite well, really. And and, and after the game, Kev, um, Pellegrini was quoted as saying, tonight was massively down to the fact that we played at a higher pace and we have to play at that level of higher pace more frequently. So he must see the frustrations that we see, that they're not consistently giving 110% week in, week out like they should be. I just... Like you say, I think now when you head there, I don't know. What frustrates me with West Ham is we go all out against the big sides and we just absolutely flake against the Burnleys and against the Wolves, although Wolves are a very good uh, a very good side. We've got a very good result against Southampton. But why can't they do that every week? Why can't we do it every week? That's the question. I don't even think Pellegrini knows why we can't do it every week. I mean, even Mikel Antonio came out and said he admitted, he said that it's we, we get complacent. Mm. Against the, uh, the the lower sides, the mid-table sides, and the and the sides below us. But after watching us on Monday, on our day, we could beat absolutely anyone, and I think we could quite comfortably finish sixth or seventh if we play like mm. that every single week. Mm. We could. I, mean, do. I don't know about you two. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the games I think we've lost this season. I mean, maybe you'd say I'm wrong, but most of, if maybe not half of, the games we've lost. I've looked at and said it's because we wasn't good enough as opposed to losing to a side that was just too good for us. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you go along with that, Yeah, I mean, the only tight time we lost to a team much better than us was against Man City, I think. You know, if you think of all the other fixtures, <clears throat> Arsenal, we probably should have got something from... All right, Liverpool, sorry, Liverpool first game of the season as well. So Liverpool and Man City in there, you know, they're the best teams in the league. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you and I agree with what you said earlier. When I see West Ham away at Burnley or West Ham away at Brighton or whatever... I have more fear about that than I do us playing a big team at home, and that is just the ridiculous nature of being a, <laughs> being a West Ham fan. Um, and it and it is all down to, I guess, consistency and getting the players motivated for the bigger games. But even even you know, I'm not blaming the fans at all. But the atmosphere seemed better against mm. Liverpool just the bit, even before the kickoff. Like, so it's not because the team were playing well; just walking in, it seemed better. So maybe we've got to somehow collectively as a club raise us. Sale for bigger, for, sorry, smaller games. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. No, I, I think that's a valid point. And just to go back to the intricacies of the performance, um, again, I think it was key that we played the three in midfield, and I think the three of them done very well. Uh, and all three of them are workhorses as well. And I think you need that, especially when you're playing against a side like Liverpool. I've got to be honest. The defend, the defending was a concern to me at times. Um, because I thought that we allowed them too much space and time and almost invited pressure when they was approaching our 18-yard box. Um, that's something I think needs to change because I was quite panicky about that. Having said that, I don't know if that was deliberate because you're coming up against one of the top threes mm. in football, arguably. So I don't know if, if the instructions was to get not to get too tight because they're good with their movement and they well, can create was. space for each other. I mm. can answer that because if you think what we did against the first uh, the first game of the season against Liverpool, we played with a high line, yeah. didn't we? Which was the first time was yeah. Pellegrini's first game and the first time he implemented it and it backfired massively. You know, mm. he's shipped four and he got destroyed. So he deliberately said this game, it didn't work last time, so let's do the opposite, let's stay back. 
and let's give them um, more space to play in. But like that, but we're further back, so they can't knock it beyond us. So you're you're right to question it, and it was a it was a strategy. Mm, I mean, we contained them at the end of the day, didn't we? I mean, you know, just to consider the one that shouldn't have been one. I mean, you know, without question, Diop wasn't tight enough on Mane when he received the ball. I mean, that 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 wasn't a tactic. You know, that that was poor defending on his part, who actually had a good game. I thought. Um, but yeah, looking at it overall, I, I, I think it was, from my perspective, um, I don't know really, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit with how I feel about the result. Because I know that we was aggrieved by the fact we conceded a goal we shouldn't have done and definitely had opportunities to score that we didn't take. I don't know, part of me thinks, am I happy with, with a... With a with a one on, I probably would have been before the game, but after the game, I'm not so sure. What about you, Kev? I, I don't think we can overlook that because at the end of the day, Liverpool were top of the table for a reason. Um, although that although they have won games from many many dodgy decisions this season, they're still top of the table for a reason. So in the position that we're in at the moment, off of the back of the results that we've had against the sides that we've played, I still think that's a decent point. To mm. be honest, although we should have won the game. That's the gutting part about it, but a point is still a very good result against Liverpool, mm. I think, anyway. Did we miss Marko Anatovic? Um, I thought Chicharito had a really good game, to be honest. I think the first um, half I, he did, definitely. I think we, I think we missed his... Pre yeah, especially in the second half, I think we missed his physical presence mm. at times, but um, look, I can't knock Chicharito, because when I, when I knew that he was starting, I was thinking, you know, he's going to be left in no man's land again. He's not going to get the... He's not going to get the service. He's not going to... Uh, you know, work hard, but I thought he absolutely run his socks off in the first half. So I'm happy for uh, for Chicharito in that respect. But I do think we missed an out of it, yeah. But you, X? No, I disagree. If I'm mm. honest with you, I actually think we played better without an out of it. You know, you've got to think for the Wolves game. I think there's two crucial differences from the Wolves game. I think, firstly, we had three in midfield um, against Liverpool. We didn't against Wolves. I think we got massively exposed in midfield. And I also think uh, Hernandez offered more up front than an out of it did out of the two of them. And given the fact that we played like we did uh, on Monday, an out of it is fit. I mean, it's in my section, but I might as well say it now. An out of it is fit for Saturday I wouldn't start him I'd carry on with the exact same mm. team that played against Liverpool mm, that's very controversial well, I, I don't think he is because I think we played really really well against Liverpool so why would you change it no we did we did but I'm talking about the Marco and Alvarez on, on his day I think we missed his physical presence at times yeah, possibly, on Monday possibly, night but I don't think if Anatovic had played we would have played any better I think we played mm. as well as we would have if not better without Anatovic um, and I think the players worked harder but with him not being there and Hernandez actually seemed like he wanted it for once and I mean I think every single player I mean I think Antonio was superb I think mm. Fabianski claimed so many crosses was brilliant Fog Bonner had a good game Cresswell you know, Rice Anderson every single player played well in that match Fredericks yeah, I thought he was really yeah, good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. I think literally, really I, there's not a player that I don't think played well. I think you know maybe the subs. I don't think Carroll did much when he came on, but uh, it was a bit harsh. He didn't play. He was doing most of the defending at that point. But I think everyone played well, and I, and I honestly believe I would have an Altovich as a sub. Yes, um, if it's not working with Hernandez, bring him on, and hopefully he's got a point to prove because I think he wants to score a goal away from home, and then when he plays at home at London Stadium, his reception might be a bit better than what it could potentially be mm. if he doesn't but I wouldn't start him against Palace no mm. I'm very surprised to hear you say that that's an interesting opinion Kev would you start him on Saturday well an out of it yeah um, no I'd probably go with the same side as what we played against Liverpool as well to be honest I agree with you on that X because uh, like I say that's probably the best I've seen us play all season um, and it worked against Liverpool 
So uh, it, it, look, it's, it's just as much as a big game on Saturday as what it was on Monday night. So I think you know you've you've got to keep that side that uh, that performed against Liverpool. Mm, it's interesting. I almost feel like I'm contradicting my own opinions and my own attitude towards Marco in recent weeks because I haven't had some very nice things to say about him. Having said that. Uh, I, I, think, I do think you've got to play your best players on the condition and it is on the strict condition that there isn't going on anything going on behind the scenes in terms of his general attitude affecting any of the players the morale um, as long as he's 100% committed and gives 110% to West Ham if that is the case I think you've got to start him over Chich personally mm. that's me it'd be difficult for Chicharito on Saturday as well because they're really their defence is really coming together at the moment as well uh, Palace obviously you've got Sacco Tomkins are two big lumps. I reckon he's just going to get muscled off the ball. Yeah, but he didn't against Van Dijk, though, did no, he? Exactly. Van Dijk yeah. and Matic are huge. But uh, for me, I think it sends the complete wrong message out if Anatovic comes in for Hernandez mm. because you've just played really well, of which Hernandez did contribute, particularly in the first half. Um, if you then drop him after that, <clears throat> and bringing a player that has obviously caused a lot of problems despite what people want to tell you he has publicly displayed that he uh, like dis uh, you know he wants to leave cause real issues and then he just suddenly walks back into the team no matter what I mean it sends a complete wrong message out I really do and I strongly believe he shouldn't start against I, 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 I think that's a really really valid point really valid point but then if that's the case surely it, it should be a situation where on the back of everything that's happened with Marco, we either put him in the reserves and let him rot and not use him, or stick with yeah, him until I mean, the end of the season and, and use him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I don't it, think there should be an in-between, to no, be honest. If we'd lost against Liverpool, if we'd lost against Liverpool and we played poorly, then I'd say bring him in because because the team's not working without him but that isn't what happened we played one of our best performances against Liverpool without him so if you're playing really really well and then you say okay you played really really well but still we're going to bring him in considering the last game he played we lost 3-0 against Wolves and he was poor and then the game before that we played terribly against Bournemouth you're what you can't yes he is on his day a better player but Hernandez didn't do anything wrong so if you just drop him for someone that hasn't performed recently just because of the name he is what motivation is there for the likes of Hernandez to play well if that's what's going to happen I think we've gone beyond that as well because when we had Payet we had no choice because he was literally our best player mm. and there were times when we struggled without him but it's different with an Outovic because we've got results without an Outovic mm. so uh, yeah look I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you X I, I, I wouldn't put him straight back into the side mm, no. that's, um, that's no. very interesting and uh, I'd like to get everyone's opinion on that on Twitter so let us know uh, exactly what you think because I can see an argument for both sides to be honest with you and I think it's an interesting debate for sure uh, talking to Crystal Palace they now have Michi Batshuayi uh, it was a target for West Ham, so no doubt he's going to bang a hat-trick against yeah. us on Saturday. Uh, you just know he will. Yeah. Having said that, and I'm not a million percent sure of this, is Zaha missing on Saturday? I don't he's actually banned, know. Yeah, I thought he was banned, yeah, but I'm not entirely I think sure. He, I think he's contesting it. Okay. If, I, if I understand this right, if, if if his appeal gets granted, he can play. If it doesn't, he won't. Um, and that could be, that could be massive either way for West Ham. If Zabaleta starts, mate, he's not going to get a sniff. <laughs> Right. Well, so, again, with that's that, exactly what happened at home. So. Well, yeah, again with that, though, I'd be tempted to have Fredericks. Well, there you go. If you're not going to choose, uh, change a, a yeah. you know, winning side. I mean, it's the old John Lyle mentality as well. He yeah. never changed a, yeah. a winning side. And, and I think did actually, it right for us. all right, Zabba did well against 
Zaha earlier in the season but if you take it for what attributes they have Fredericks his pace is surely much suited to go against Zaha than Zabaleta I would have, I would say yeah, not as quick any Fredericks yeah, really I don't think quick. I've seen anyone as fast as that at West Ham no, yeah, you know I mean, even off the ball he's just oh, uh, yeah, sorry nice. even with the ball yeah, he got really, really fast I was really impressed with his pace yeah. but I mean you kind of knew that because he was like a 100 metre sprint champion or something as a mm. kid like you know I remember yeah reveal video yeah I was just going to say his reveal video was it was him running a race <laughs> yeah, of sport, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And I mean, he is. I mean, I don't, I'm not a FIFA expert, but the one, the odd time on the new FIFA I've played as West Ham, he, he's almost uncontrollable because he's that quick. Um, so, like, I don't know if it's just me and Mashing it every time I've played, but like, he, and I don't know why I'm using FIFA as an analogy, but he, he is just really, really pacey. And I think the way he played against Liverpool, there was a few things he could have done. Barry dived in a couple of times, but I think he showed the potential that obviously led us to sign him and I would keep him and which is really harsh on Zabaleta because Zabaleta is a contender an outside contender for Hammer of the Year for me but again I'm, I'm with that philosophy we played terribly against Wolves terribly against Bournemouth played well against Liverpool Zabaleta played the two terrible ones and not in the good ones so you go mm. with the players that played in the good performance mm. I think he done well uh, on Monday uh, Fredericks but it's still a question mark for me over whether he is a fullback or not I think he's almost got a little bit of the Masuaku syndrome and, and time will tell obviously but I think their, their position could almost be identical in a sense that they're both incredibly pacey I think Fredericks has, has got the ability to show a little bit of skill as well. He can score a goal. I mean, that goal he scored against Mansfield at home was a rocket. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, didn't, he didn't hit that like he was a, a fullback, that's for sure. And um, I don't know. I don't know. And, and considering we've spent most of the season saying how much we need fullbacks, I'm not too sure we've we've got an overwhelming sense of confidence that he's a man to take us forward. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, players like in their game time at the end of the day, don't they? Yeah. Um, talking about game time, obviously, like I said, it's Palace. So how's it going to pan out? It's going to be a difficult game. Um, again, I don't think we can go there being complacent because over the years they have they have been a little bit of a bogey team for us, uh, Palace on occasions. I think it's going to be a, an extremely difficult game. And if we're going to talk about score predictions, I'm going to say a one-one draw again. You know, that's exactly what I was going to say. say one, one draw. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that as well. I think a 1-1 one, one draw. Um, we seemed to... It was a draw at Palace last year, wasn't it? That was when... Was it Antonio didn't hold the ball in the corner? Yeah, and then two, they two. went and broke. Yeah, 2-2. Two, yeah. two. <coughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go for a one all, which in the grand scheme of things is a, is a decent result. So I'd take Score, that. Let's have a think about this. Yeah, oh, I'm going to go Anderson. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a. If my mic comes back on, I'm going to go for. Um, I don't know why. My, my instinct is to agree with you and say one all, and I'm going to go for a Mark Noble penalty. Oh. One nil. Uh, no, one all. But oh, he, wow, he'll okay. be our goal yeah. scorer, uh. and that's what I'm going to go for. <laughs> so we're all going for one all. That's interesting yeah, as well. Strange, isn't it? I, I, I just can't. I just. I don't know. I always fancy Palace to score against us at Selhurst Park, but I don't think we're going to lose. So one all. Zaha could, could could be key either way, really, I, couldn't he? I think so. Yeah. I mean, again, like you pointed out, Palace are going to have Batshuayi, who inevitably is going to have a good game. <laughs> They've also got Kiate, who apparently is playing well for them at the moment. They've also got Tompkins. So there's a a, a strong. West Ham link there in their in their team, um, you know. So yeah, often when there's a West Ham link, then often one of those will 
deliver the goods, won't they? So, yeah, I mean, a draw against Liverpool, a draw against Palace, I would have taken that, definitely. So, let's hope that that is the case. Mm, I think they've only won seven games all season, though, Palace. Not that that ever means absolutely anything when you're coming up against West Ham. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but they haven't had the best of seasons, and just how much of a difference can a player like Batshuayi make when he's coming in? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a real boost for them. It's always the case, isn't it? When a striker first joins a club, they usually got a bit of a run and then it tails off if they're not that great so he'll be a threat no doubt I just hope he doesn't play I don't know whether he's due to or not but I don't know whether this is coming up in your section mm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong but why does he keep on turning us down I mean that was that was like the, the last straw weren't it I think a lot of it is money yeah I mean the first time he was going to join West Ham he chose Chelsea over us so I that's mean that's understandable. yeah that's understandable. that's understandable then the second time he chose to go to was it Valencia was it or Again, Germany Germany it was Dortmund well. wasn't it yeah Dortmund Dortmund so yeah, so that, that yeah, well. and then I think I know, I know. Now <laughs> we get into, yeah, I mean, but Palace, it was more money, I think, and like they were prepared to pay the wages that he wanted and I don't I don't really understand this because a loan deal tends to be you loan the contract from the club so it would have been the same money for Palace as it would have been for us but perhaps West Ham were looking for a percentage payment right, from yeah, Chelsea um, and 170 grand a week isn't it, I don't know if it's that much but he's on a big contract I think um, and there's probably like more like tra- like you can pay a fee for a loan can't you so there's probably more paid and then his agent and him got a high percentage of it but ultimately what I'm trying to say is I think it was a financial I mean yeah. if you were to choose to West Ham and Palace probably I'd say West Ham well West Ham are the bigger club I mean we've won the cups and stuff like um, so West Ham are the bigger team but in terms of the fact that we'd still have a Nautovic we'd still have the other strikers we've got he's probably going to get more game time at Palace as well so maybe that was a factor yeah I think you hit the nail on the head there and that's what I was just going to finish on saying is that you know we're realistically going to pay 156 60, 70 grand to a player who probably isn't going to play at West Ham. He's not going to be the first name on the team sheet anyway and is he going to ultimately going to want to be a super sub at West Ham when he can just stay where he is and beat that, you know, or go back to Chelsea. Um, yeah, today I asked you for any requests you wanted on the show and uh, there were some good ones, there were some awful ones and I'm delighted to say that one of the good ones was the jam. So the jam it will be and we'll see you in three.
Transfers. <laughs> actually, do you know what? I actually have because I just a few things that <clears throat> never really came out uh, last last week. Basically, we were we did put an offer in for someone called Franco Vazquez of Sevilla as an Argentinian midfielder. Um, I'm not sure how concrete the offer was, but I think we sort of inquired and sort of offered them a, a loan deal. And but he wasn't keen to to come, but he would have been a, giving us a midfield option. But it also depended, as I kept saying, on players being um, loaned out. The late offer that we received for a player from the academy on loan was for Nathan Holland from Bolton. Um, but for various reasons, that didn't work out, unfortunately, for him. And um, Gomez, you know, there was talk about whether that was actually going to happen. Well, that's been postponed now, obviously, to the trans, uh, transfer window in the summer, where we're going to be looking um, to make that deal a permanent deal if we shift Anatovic and Perez and don't keep Carroll's contract and so on. So it's, it all depends on a number of domino effects, but uh, he is still the number one target for the summer. Um, injuries, the two uh, regular features. <laughs> and normally goes first, actually. It's yeah. nice, to, nice to mix it up. Well, that's it. I thought I'd spice it up for the for the for the listeners. Um, so Arnie's back in training, um, as I've already said on the show. But yeah, he's been training since um, start of the week since they returned um, from the Liverpool game. So yesterday <laughs> um, and today, uh, Lanzini is in training, but it's uh, non-contact at the moment. Within about a month, he'll start to be more. Um, physical like actual matches and so on so we could see him back um by probably by the start of march um april time so we might get a few games out of him uh, which will be good uh balbuena it's difficult with him because they're saying he's going to be back sort of two to four weeks but they it all depends on the sort of swelling and stuff so it's hard to put a definite date on him but we miss um, him don't we balbuena. yeah massively sanchez is out for the season as people already know but i've been asked to do a comprehensive update wilshire probably out for the rest of the season as well not confirmed but most likely yarmolenko might get a a couple of games at the end of the season but again probably by that point our season will be not really like you know much point to it at that point so I don't know whether he'd, whether they would risk him um, Reed has his own specialist equipment at the training ground to try and get him back because it's such a unique and rare 
sort of injury with complications. They're not sure exactly how long he's going to be either. I mean, it, there's some talk that he could be back within the next two months, but I'd be surprised if we see him play this season as well. Uh, other injury news is that Silva, um, the youngster, um, requires a hernia operation. So that will probably keep him out for a period of time as well. So quite depressing news on the transfer front, I'm afraid. Um, in terms of the stadium, I don't know if you've seen the news, but um, we've changed the uh, operators. Um, so basically, Sadiq Khan, um, he of uh, <laughs> Mayor of London fame, um, was a guest of uh, of the directors at the Liverpool match. Apparently he's a big Liverpool fan. Um, and so we kind of sort of sweetened him up a bit. Basically... They've uh, E20 who owned the stadium gave the operating contract to a French company. I'm trying to get this right, and Sean Wetson has helped me a little bit with this. Uh, French company Vinci, Vin, Vin, Vinci, 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 Italian, a French name anyway. Um, and we've they've now been bought out of their contract, and it's been given to a company called London Stadium 185, which means that we now hopefully have more control over um, the operations of the stadium. Than was talk that we'd be able to do our, we, we was asked whether we could bring our own stewards in unfortunately I don't think that's going to be allowed but in terms of developing certainly the concourse and the outside area and things like that <clears throat> we now have much more of a of a, a say now so this hopefully going forward will mean that we've um, that we can improve things such as the Billy Bond stand you know that has been announced today massive news East Stand will now be called that it's going to be launched for the game against Newcastle which is also our first pre-match event so a massive day for West Ham fans um, so uh, yeah so that's good that's been in the pipeline ever since our meetings with Brady you know if you remember correctly that was one of the mm. first things I mentioned on my list of points to change um, and it was backed up by <clears throat> probably all the other accounts so yeah that's a good thing I've been asked not to talk about the uh, carpet around the pitch um, so I won't the only thing I will say is that it is going to be claret with some blue in it but I think that's fairly obvious the launch day um, isn't decided yet but so what, what is it What say. is it you can't talk to us Apparently about? Apparently the club were disappointed that I was the one that confirmed the Billy Bonds news because they've done a big launch today, haven't they? Oh, With right. videos and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I told everyone that about a month ago so it wasn't like the big yeah. yay wow moment because if you follow me, you knew it was coming. Mm. Um, and to be fair, I mean, it had been reported elsewhere as well. Elsewhere it was as well. Really, it was inevitable. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, you know, exclusive sensational news but I did confirm it. So the club, I got a message that the club were disappointed that I had um, <laughs> taken the glory. Do you feel like you've been sent to the headmaster? I do, I do. And part of my discipline from the headmaster was that I was also not to break news about the carpet because... <laughs> that's that's kind of ridiculous. I know, exactly. Because yeah. they want to be the ones that break the news. So, <laughs> really exactly. Yeah. Which, to be we honest... don't mind you breaking news about Billy, but can you leave the carpet? Exactly. Right? Well, this is what I found so ironic. You know, it's not as if I'm breaking a <laughs> 200 million pound signing or something. But... <laughs> Fair play, to be honest. At least let us have the carpet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. the carpet right, I'm just interested to see what the launch video is going to be with the carpet. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Can have carpet right, pull up in their white van, yeah, and yeah, pictures yeah. of them installing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm going to tell them on their knees. No, they need that. I wonder what you was going to say then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that 
Baby Cheerful, part three. Summer Buddy Holly, the working fellow, good golly Miss Molly, and boats. Hammersmith Pally, the Bolshoi Bally, jump back in the alley, add nanny goats. 18 winners camels, Dominica camels, all other mammals plus equal boats. Seeing Piccadilly, Fanny Smith and Willie, being rather silly, and porridge oats. A bit of grin and bear it, a bit of come and share it. You're welcome, we can spare it. Yellow socks, too short to be haughty, too nutty to be naughty. Going on 40, no electric shots. The juice of the carrot, the smile of the parrot, a little drop of parrot, anything that rocks. Elvis and Scotty, days when I Sitting on the bed, curious small pots, reasons to be cheerful. Why don't you get back into bed? Why don't you get back into bed? Why don't you get back into bed? Reasons to be cheerful. Why don't you get back into bed? Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. Service glasses, gigolos and brasses, round or skinny bottoms. Take him on to Paris, lighting up the chalice. Wee Willie Harris. Andrew Stephen Beeple, listening to Rico. Harper Groucho Chico. Cheddar cheese and pickle, the Vincent motorcycle. Slap and tickle. Woody Allen Darling, Dimitri and Pasquale. Bala 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 and below. Sunday nights to studies, phoning up a buddy, being in my nutty. Saying okie dokie, sing along a smoky, coming out a chokey. John Coltrane Soprano, Eddie Chalampano, Bona Carlino. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, one, two, three. Dear, dear, perhaps next year, or maybe even never. In which case?
This is Matthew Evinson, and you're listening to The West Ham Way on Phoenix FM. Okay, sadly, it's the final part of the show, but thank you very much, as always, for sending us your questions. Very much appreciated, and Kev is going to give us the first one. This one's from at Howardino. Um, suppose we had another stand to name. Who would you choose after Bonzo? Um, without doubt, for me, it's got to be Dave Walker. Yeah. Well, is this... Are you breaking an exclusive now or not? <laughs> I've been wanting to tell you for a while. The club said I could... Because I've heard whispers. <laughs> um, and I was going to talk to you about this after the show, but... Uh, for me, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I'll take the bridge instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take a fucking toilet. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I cannot believe I just did that. <laughs> I just cannot believe it. Oh, my. I'm so sorry, Paul. I'm not very well. I apologise to all the listeners. Again, I'm I don't know what's happened to me recently. Oh, I, I apologise to all the listeners, to everyone that swearing oh. is not. Oh. I Anyway, mate, it's so nice to not be the one in trouble this time. <laughs> yeah. I'm in trouble with everyone. You at know, the you moment. Never, I never say that word ever. I never, why are you ever, saying now? I never swear. I don't know why. All of a sudden, it's your two's influence. <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously. Do you mean you too? <laughs> I've been in trouble once on this radio station, mate. Don't no. tell me I ever got in trouble. You know what I'm going to say as well? Because of him. Yeah. When we used to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> it was always me that got in trouble because of him. He's a common denominator. He is, yeah. Hang on, can we just get this straight? I haven't said anything wrong tonight, so don't deflect it. I would almost pulled you up for. I can't say it now because I'm a prolific swearer at the moment. I was going to say. But you said one that's what, like what squirrels <laughs> eat and I'm not sure if that's oh, not I'm not sure if that's not for. You better go on Twitter, mate. <laughs> Look what Paul's put in the crew. What? What's he said? <laughs> I'm so sorry. If anyone uh, listening to this show is interested in replacing X, uh, please write into <laughs> please write into Sex, Drugs and Colton Cole. Recruiting immediately. I'm only winding you up, mate. Look at his face. Hours are long and the wages are rubbish. Now I've lost all the questions. Uh, right, basically, <laughs> I, I think if you're going to go with... Uh, <laughs> the public toilet. <laughs> player or a toilet. Yeah. It's the way toilet. you said it's wrong. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've been toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, God, I don't even know how to speak that. I was so self-conscious. Um, right, I, I, I think the one that springs into my mind, there's three. I say the one, the three, there's three. That's a contradiction, right? Paolo Di Canio, but that seems a little bit odd. After four years, um, Jeff Hurst, possibly. Like the carpet after him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Paolo Di Canio and Jeff Hurst are the ones, possibly. You look at appearances, Alvin Martin, possibly. Frank Lampard possibly but I'm thinking in terms of service to the club well I mean what about Vic Watson I mean there's yeah, no one that that's people would have seen but Vic Watson's got to be up there that's surely I shout, put this yeah. on Twitter earlier for me it's the Greenwood and Lyle stand yeah that's a good shout mm. as well either the John Lyle stand or the Greenwood and Lyle stand yeah. I think it would be the Greenwood and Lyle stand mm. yeah, them that two. is a good shout 100% fairness, them two yeah that is mm. a good shout no that is a good shout um, I forgot to mention Nasri as well in the injury section he um <clears throat> was due back for the Palace game, but unfortunately, he, um, he, I think he's car. He might have done his calf a bit more, so I don't know if he's going to make the Palace game now. So that's not good, right? Um, <laughs> at Dan underscore Chapman, 2011. He's a good bloke, Dan. He he tolerates my swearing and things like that. Um, in in order, who are your top three contenders for Hammer of the Year? Mine are Fabianski, Rice, and Snodgrass. 
I don't think I can argue with that, to be honest. No, I don't. Honestly, think I, I don't think I can argue with that one. I think the argument is who is it that comes fourth, and I think the contenders you would have, uh, not that there ever, ever is a fourth place hammer of the year, but if there was, the contenders would be maybe Zabaleta Anderson, Antonio. Uh, I think I think he's starting to become up there now. Possibly, I don't know if he's done quite enough yet, but certainly Zabaleta Anderson Diop, possibly. Mm. Um, you know, Balbuena when he was playing. Uh, but yeah, I think definitely Fabianski for me, closely followed by Rice. And I think Snodgrass in terms of how much has improved this season, his contribution, and obviously the off-the-field off stuff deserves recognition. Mm. It's very hard to argue with, with third place. I think one and two pick themselves, to be honest. Mm. Third place, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love Snod. He's definitely up there. He's definitely up there. And, and if he hasn't got third place for me, I think he'd possibly neck and neck with Anderson, purely because... Mm. He's provided so many such special moments this season, and, and and football's about entertainment. And in a, in him, we've got a player that gives us exactly that. And some of the goals he scored, and you know some of the little dribbles and sprints he does. But I think yeah, neck and neck for third. I think that's a that's a difficult one. But but a testament to Rob Snodgrass, yeah. going from a man who was kicked out of the club, publicly humiliated by the chairman, going to the championship, to now coming back. Um, playing week in week out, and now we're talking about hammering the year contention. Good, good for him. Uh, this one's from at Oklahoma One. Um, Ogbonna seems to be a much better player with Creswell alongside him. Can you think of other examples where players have performed better with a particular partner? And uh, which is your favourite? You know, that's that's absolutely true, actually, about Ogbonna and oh, Creswell. Yeah, yeah, because Ogbonna does a lot of work for Mazuaku yeah. and he's always out of position whilst doing that. Mm. So, I totally yeah, no, agree that's with a really that. good point. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Cresswell's performances, performances have been so much better recently, and I think that makes Ogbonna play better when he's alongside him. Mm. In terms of partnerships, I seem to always think of uh, Koncheski and Everington as a good left side partnership. Mm. I think of mm. Berkovic and Hartson as a. As Cotia McAvenny as well. Cotia McAvenny, yeah. yeah. Um, Kitson and Hartson. Yeah, Kitson mm. and Hartson. Waldy and Stewart as well. Yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, Centre backs as well. Alvin Martin and Tony Pops. Gale. Yeah, Pops was great as well. As well. Yeah. yeah, there's been a, quite a few down the years. Um, so yeah, but I do, I do um, think certain players obviously complement other players. I mean, it's no surprise Ogbonna is better with Cresswell because Cresswell is better defensively. Ogbonna is a defender. So if you've got a better defensive person alongside you, you're going to defend better. It's not rocket science, but um, yeah, I think that has affected Ogbonna's I think Sinclair and Dekenio could be in there as well, you know. Yeah. Them two were superb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canute and Decanio. Yeah. That was a good season. Mm. Or Brooking Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> Loads. These, actually, there are yeah. so many. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Uh, at Old Castle Swift, do you know if Pellegrini has a priority in terms of which position he's filling in the summer? I think the fans see a left back and a central midfielder as a priority, but does he agree? Um, I think we're going to be looking at a lot of positions. Forward is the obvious one because I think potentially we could be with out four forwards. We could be losing Carroll and Andes. Pires and an out of it. So obviously forward would be a position. I think centre back because Reed, who knows what's going to happen with him? And technically we've only got three. Uh, I think we do need some more midfielders. I think we're going to. Look, I think it will be a lot of business in the summer. I think mm. there'll be at least six, seven we players need to, coming. Don't we? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, overhaul. There's a lot of dead wood in there. Yeah. Excuse me. I think we need a complete overhaul. On big money as well. That's that's part yeah. of the problem. It's, you know, it's not just small fry. But yeah, top of my head, I'd say left back, right back, centre mid. Um, and a striker and a centre-half that's five and then cover for some of them respective positions mm -hmm. I, the number you said there six or seven was what I had in mind mm -hmm. do you think Adrian 
could be one out the door as well. Because yeah, uh, you know a lot of people overlook that. Yeah, do you know what? I would actually sell him. Now, as much as I like having him as a backup keeper, I thought he was poor against Wimbledon when we needed yeah, him to be Yeah, he was really better. poor, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah um, and he's on reasonably high wages. Um, he's not getting any younger. I think we could we'd do better now to say thank you very much. You've been a, a real great servant to the club. Cheers to the memories. Let's get in someone maybe a bit younger that can we can build up as the eventual successor to Fabian. I'll tell you who I've always rated, and unless he's gone somewhere, and, and I just I've completely missed it, is Jack Butland. You know, he's still at Stoke. Yeah. At Stoke. I mean, how much they'd want for him, I don't know. But then, how long is he going to be prepared to stay at Stoke and behave himself when he was on the fringe of an England place? Yeah, yeah. But with Butland, I think he, I think he would. He's another number one though. Would he be happy with sitting on the bench at West Ham? Yeah, but Fa- Fabianski's 33. I mean, he ain't going to go on forever. And Butland's, what, 26? In his 20s, definitely. I mean, if you were to believe... And I don't think there's a, there's, there's a whole range of offers waiting for him. I mean, but, you know, if he doesn't take... Let's say West Ham are the only ones coming for him in the summer, right? No one bought him when they went down. Mm. And if he doesn't come to West Ham, does that mean he'd rather be a number one in the championship or a number two and fight for his place in the Premier League? I don't know. I think it'd be a difficult one with him, though. If you were to believe... They won't let him go um, for a pittance. I think that's the biggest problem we've got. Well, if you were to believe one of the other um, ITKs that supposedly has knowledge, we were signing Dak and Butland this window, guaranteed. Um, (laughs) Dak, the Blackburn player, and Butland. But... um, Oh, really? That sort of... Well, I say I really like it was ever genuine, but obviously... What's the name of the show, mate, or not? Uh, To be honest with you, I think most people have probably dismissed this Mm. guy now. But um, uh, Butler has been linked with us in the past. He is someone that we've been interested in as... Kev, or I can't remember which one of you said. Um, would he be a backup keeper? He's a very I'm good keeper. Sure. He I is like a him. very good I keeper. I really like him. He's a bit yeah. injury prone though. Which is he? Uh, yeah, he was out. For, was he out for a long time at Stoke? I think. I um, think he was out for about a, just under a year. So I think. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was I out for quite so. a while. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, so there is there is a bit of a risk there, I guess. But yeah, definitely would be if we could get him, would be worth eventually succeeding. Because then he'd just get called up to the England squad as well. Yeah, I, I think that. In my head, sort he's of been injured for a I period of time, yeah, yeah, and I don't think I would have imagined that, so, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, at Aitrakiri says after Monday night's game what is your general assessment of English refereeing to me it feels like one of a catalogue of poor performances <coughs> yeah I uh, think they do need help though I mean I'm, I'm not a fan of VAR but I think they do they do need a lot more help referees but how are you going to give it to them if you're VAR <sighs> I'm not a fan of it <coughs> excuse me but I've, it's the way forward I suppose isn't it yeah, because it, really it has got worse over the years. It really needs to be regulated. Well, the see, the thing is, has it got worse? Because the th- the difference is now, as opposed to I don't know, twenty five years ago, or whatever, is that you just got so many cameras all over the stadium that that film every single incident and replay it. So maybe the rest were as bad in the past. It just didn't get highlighted so much because the te- technology wasn't there. So it's hard to say. But I do agree. There's so many high profile mistakes. I think VAR probably is the way forward. But that has to be so well regulated you know what happened in the World Cup there was too many problems with it even mm. in the was it the Capital One Cup Chelsea against Tottenham I think was it Tottenham got a penalty that was slightly dodgy because he came from an offside position or something can't quite remember but there, there has to be clear guidance with this because the beauty of football is that it's so continuous yeah, you know you don't want right. it to be like NFL or cricket or you know even rugby where there's constant mm. stoppages it just would ruin what the game is so it has to be done like the goal line technology where it is pretty much almost but see the thing is though a big, I know we all moan about the referees and all that and, and they are a nightmare I, mean, I can't remember 
too many times this season or last or the season before that where I've heard people say, oh, the ref had a good game today. But do you know what? There is a, <laughs> there is a real part of me that would miss the thrill of the controversy of referees making mistakes, especially if it goes in your favour. And I just think, I don't know, is it is it part and parcel of the game? You know, like, I don't know. I just think, if you take that away from it, are we taking something else away from football that Well, this is what it's miss? all about, because what you're going to, I mean, I know it sounds a bit silly, but what are you going to talk about after the game with your mates when you're having a beer after the game? You know, it is part of the game, ain't it? Yeah, it is. Like you said, it's part and parcel of the game. It will be quite interesting to see what it is like if every decision is correct. I mean, is there, I was talking about with someone at work about this today, is there an element that you like in um, tennis? You know, in tennis, the the player has three attempts uh, questioning the umpire, doesn't he? Is it the role where you give it to the captain? The captain can make three decisions in a half to contest, maybe, you know, and that gives the responsibility and the role of the captain much more high profile in football that could be an option but again how does that work if you're coming to the last five minutes of the game does the captain just <laughs> contest everything to waste time it's all got to be well very well thought out of because you could destroy the game and speaking of captains and speaking of stands named after him someone's rightly pointed out on Twitter is it worth saving the other stand naming for Mark Noble when he eventually retires uh, because if you think he's 30 30 31 now could still be playing for another three or four years could be potentially be a manager you know would he yeah. be a contender and I guess that is a fair shout you know there's been a very loyal servant um, right. well you can always what about the dick stand put the away fans in it <laughs> yeah, it's cold, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I'm not even going to comment on that with my track record <laughs> <laughs> words today so, that always yeah. reminds me of uh, the famous story I'm sure you've all heard it and even the listeners have heard it when Man City was opening up a new stand and they were they were genuinely were going to call it uh, after, name it after Colin Bell mm. and it was going to be the Bell End <laughs> <laughs> that's a genuine gospel true story and, and they had to change it because it was going to be the Bell End <laughs> <laughs> was this on Main Road? Uh, yeah it would have yeah, been yeah, Main yeah, Road yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> a great stadium, mate. Right? I don't know if either of you went there. I went there for a cup game um, when we won two one. I've been low. Yeah, Berkovic scored. scored but yeah, yeah I was there that day. Well, yeah, yeah great first, game. first and last time I ever went there. Yeah, same as me. That's the only time I ever went as well. Great. Well, stadium. I tell you why I always remember that game in particular. Is because uh, we got the coach here and it was in the middle of Moss Side, wasn't yeah, it? Um, well, that was, like, yeah, well, that was well. like the old school Hackney yeah. back in the day, and um, a West Ham supporter must have like drove there and he's left his car when we're going back on the coach this is no word of a lie it's West Ham's port we're standing there scratching his head looking at his car obviously you see like the little West Ham sticker in the background all, all his wheels have been nicked <laughs> honestly <laughs> his car Christ. is just like on bricks in the middle yeah. of the road just like in the middle of Manchester yeah, yeah. Um, always, I've been to the new stadium as well I went there the, I've seen teams lift the league title twice but unfortunately it's never been West Ham <laughs> I saw Man City lift, lift it when they beat us 2-0 did Nazri Nazri might have even scored for them mm. um, and then I saw Man United lift it against us once but um, mm. yeah um, but Main Road it was a great stadium great old school stadium right this is an interesting one at the West Ham fam um, there's a, there was a stat on Sky today um, and it basically said that West Ham average 7.07 injured players per game this season and it is by far the most in the league the next is Arsenal with 6.42 then Tottenham with 5.65 and he said here's a question for you XWH employee so he obviously doesn't want to doesn't care what you do yeah think. thanks mate um, yeah, how, on earth, how on I'll earth just get, I'll just get the music 
ready, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just make this my show? <laughs> yeah, Dave, 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 turn his mic off. We'll answer. Go on, turn his I think mic some of the foul language has come from him tonight. <laughs> yeah. would be a bad idea. Um, I think we've we've done investigations into the training ground. I think the bottom line for me is if the injuries, we've got to stop signing injury-prone players. You know, I think I could, anyone could have told you that Will Shaw would have got injured this season. It's not rocket science. Um, Carroll, same could have been said for him. I think there's, you know, I think there's an element of luck. I think there's an element of buying injury-prone players. Whether there's anything to do with the training ground, I doubt it because there's been investigations and as someone famously said, if this training ground was good enough for Bobby Moore, then it's good enough for whoever else. So mm-hmm. it's a difficult one though, but it is frustrating. It does seem cursed in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple more. Um, is it you? Yeah, uh, this is from Vince Walker at uh, one Vincenzo. Uh, would you rather we beat City on the 27th February or lose and as a consequence Liverpool win the title? I don't ever want to see. I don't ever wish us to lose. No, same as me. And I, 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 I want don't to, want Liverpool to win the title. Well, I, don't, I don't. I really don't. Well, I actually wanted Liverpool to win the title. Believe yeah. it or not. And I know I'm against the norm no here, way. but because Liverpool haven't won it since the '90s, I thought it'd be nice for a change. And I grew up with Liverpool being the best team, so it'd almost be quite, you know, significant that they did. But after the way they conducted themselves after Monday's game and all the blaming the ref and all the other antics that have gone on, I'm back in Man City for me now. Um, but I would never want West Ham to lose a game to mm. cause a title. I mean, I, I, I got a lot of stick when I uh, when I done an interview and I said that I, I would rather West Ham lost and Billich lost his job than carry on watching West Ham under Billich and have him at the football club. And do you know what? In hindsight, I absolutely stick to every single word I said in that interview because it was it was the benefit of West Ham in the mid to long term. And, and I'm not being funny, it proved to be right. He lost his job and then we've gone from strength to strength since then. Um, so that's my argument on whether I'd ever want West Ham to lose. No, but exceptional circumstances like that, I think you've got to look at it. Uh, I don't care, to be honest. I think we, we obviously we've got an affiliation with Man City, haven't we? A, yeah. a strange affiliation with them as a football club. I don't detect Liverpool like most fans do I don't necessarily like them that much I I mean I I did I did see one poll I think think it was Hammers polls actually I know listen to this show and they they put something on there and it said uh, who would you rather win the league Liverpool or Tottenham and I think 30% said they'd rather Tottenham win the league and I, I couldn't I just couldn't believe that I couldn't believe that. Oh, well, he was one of them that voted for Tottenham. Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> voted for Tottenham. Oh, you accidentally? It was an accident. I'm not sure. Seriously, I clicked on it and I thought, oh no, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I must admit, I hold my hands up, confession. Not only do I swear on live radio, but I accidentally voted for Tottenham as well. So. That. <laughs> um, there's a question here last one I think I very one? well the re- well, the very quickly because it's a bit of promo for us it basically came from at Gavin Little 13 when will Dave Walker's first live match commentary happen and I can tell you when that'll be because we're going to be commentating at the um, Isla charity event oh right okay, you're gonna... so yeah we've been said that you know a bit more about that than I yeah, do to be well, honest I think, with you yeah you and I are doing the commentary for the DVDs that are being sold for that so that'd be a lot of fun um, no swearing though no, no I'll try my best hopefully if they play <laughs> well I won't need to and if they name a toilet after me as well then I won't need to yeah, say it so. no I'll, I'll look forward to that that'd be yeah. good fun um, right okay mate what song are you playing us out with and tell people why um, well, it's a song um, In My Life by the Beatles now it's actually I don't want to bring a sad end to the show but um, I lost a good friend of mine in the week um, you know he'd been battling against uh, brain tumour um, for a while now um, but the inevitable happened on um, at the weekend now he was a re- he was a good friend of mine a really really top lad great sense of life in him always looked for the best in people even with his situation 
situation. He tried to see the positive in it. 37 leaves behind a three-year-old son. It's absolutely tragic. Um, and I'm gutted and I, I'm going to miss him big time. Obviously, I'm feeling a bit <coughs> emotional now. But, um, yeah, it's for him, really. Well said, mate. Well said. Okay, that is the end of the show. And thanks to everyone for listening and sending your questions in. Uh, let's hope we can build on that positive performance against Liverpool and get something at Palace. Be lucky. And until next week, come on, your irons. irons. There are places I remember.